Hello, I am Cody Ellingham, and this is the Transformational Value Podcast. Now today, I talk with Paul from BitKiwi, who organized New Zealand's premier Bitcoin events. In this episode, we talk about how children and young people learn about and interact with money, and how these early experiences can shape their worldview and their understanding of value. The analogy of growing up as a digital native or in a bilingual family is useful here, as children naturally learn about sound money and Bitcoin thinking amongst the backdrop of the legacy fiat system, and they grow into adults ready to face a changing financial world. Now this episode is from a couple of weeks ago, but I thought it was quite timely as we come up to BitKiwi 4 in Christchurch next weekend on March 25th. Um, It will be at the Beely Quarter and I'll be attending and I hope to see you there. Now I do hope you enjoy this episode. If you'd like to support the show, please consider streaming some Satoshis via your favourite podcasting 2.0 platform such as Fountain or Breeze. Otherwise, on to the show. And here we are, so we should be all good. You can hear me okay, sexy. Just pull that if you want. The dulcet tones. Oh yeah, but you got enough. Uh, you got enough uh, clearance there. Enough, yep, enough, r- enough rope to choke yourself. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So where are we at? Um, we don't have to necessarily roll into it straight away, but what's been on your mind? It's been on my mind with Bitcoin. We've got a few things happening. Um, planning for BitKiwi three and four in particular. There's a lot of work that goes behind goes on behind the scenes. I don't think people probably realise. There's a lot of hours of planning and organisation that goes into it. So yeah, just putting the final things together at the moment, little adjustments to our Lightning Network system. Um, planning for yeah, we've got no idea of numbers at the moment, so that's a bit of an unknown this time. I normally have a pretty good spin on who's coming, who's not. We're expecting slightly less with hopefully, well, well not hopefully, but I imagine a lot of the South Island people will wait for BitKiwi 4. But there have been some random messages from people I don't know on Twitter, like looking forward to it, I'll be there. So I'm sort of hope, optimistic there'll be a few new faces. Yeah, well, I think you've definitely each bit BitKiwi up until now has been an improvement on the previous one and there's been more people. So it would be nice mm. to see that trend continue. Um, and the lightning side of it would be great to see as well, being able to, um, you know, use lightning within the bar perhaps in some capacity. I mean, the first or well, the, the second bit key that I went to, we we kind of had that in a way with, with the um, the tokens, mm. and you could pay with lightning and then um, get a beer with the, with the tokens. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, we really want to expand that use but we're sort of walking before we run a little bit. So we're going to roll out that same system at, at BitKiwi 3, but we've got plans afoot for the next following BitKiwis yeah. to start to improve and hopefully get some, some new things involved with the Lightning Network as well. I, th- well, I mean, I think that's the way to go. And I mean, that's Bitcoin thinking, right, um, is, you know, to, to be sustainable, to, to make sure it works mm. um, and to, you know, thoroughly test and to verify how, yep. how everything fits together. Um, yeah, and I've mentioned that before. <clears throat> We're quite focused on sort of doing everything we do with Bitcoin principles in mind. So it just it comes up constantly. And it's at first it was kind of a novelty and a sort of a fun thing. But as time's gone on, we've got really serious about it because we realise that it, it may be fun and we laugh when we say these things, but it works. Yeah. And that putting in that proof of work and... Um, yeah, just doing those things is 
is really beneficial. Um, and we've talked a bit about this before, but applying those principles in life, you can't go wrong, really. Yeah. Um, and so it's every post has been a winner so far to get these events going. So we'll just keep that frame of mind. Yeah. No, that's um, that's really great to hear. And I think these last few weeks have been quite uh, informative for me to really to dive into the space of, of Bitcoin adoption, I think, and kind of what, what it looks like in New Zealand. I mean, sort of being involved with yourself and a few other people just kind of ideating on it and kind of smashing preconceptions around what what adoption even looks like. I think that's mm. been quite interesting, you know, like I've, uh, I mean, I've got my mum using Bitcoin to start with, but her, um, you know, her partner's uh, business, uh, we were starting to chat and saying, hey, what's the possibility of actually running running bitcoin on it and, and they were totally open to it mm. and it, it's not the kind of business that you would that would come to mind for bitcoin and it's not the kind of thing that you would even use uh, you wouldn't search it out on a map you know it's it's a local business that um provides a certain kind of service but um in terms of like uh, carpentry and, and wood turning and that sort of thing so it's, it's kind of fixed in that sense you can't necessarily move it around um but looking at you know saying you know look we accept bitcoin it just sort of is another move towards that um, acceptance of it as a parallel system mm. and i think we will see these sort of two systems running alongside each other for some time but the more people that come into the new the new system the more optionality there is um and it's just through these conversations and, and just kind of the discourse i, th- I find that really in, in, important i've had the same realization actually it's funny you say that because like the the chat we had last week, the Zoom call on Saturday, um, that opened my eyes to a few things. We were talking about the hyperlocal economy, and then <clears throat> I mentioned about Dan from BitKiwi's comments about tradesmen. Um, and there's been a few things that have popped up like that have made me realise that the adoption may, it's not necessarily going to happen in the way that I maybe once envisioned it. Like when we first started talking together, and we had a real idea of this rush of creating a point of sale and then getting out there ourselves almost like um, um, sale, unpaid salesmen trying to convince businesses to adopt it. And I used to think that was how it's going to happen in New Zealand. Now I don't think so at all. Like it's, there's many ways that will come in. Yeah. And, it is, and that may not necessarily be one of the main ways. I think there's going to be a network effect and having started to dive into this conceptually i think our fundamental knowledge not just of bitcoin but what how adoption of a revolutionary technology takes place i think that's that's actually a case study that is pretty pretty hard to find examples of the internet's mm. one, one of the only ones we've got and even then that that kind of happened i think in a different capacity like it was quite a slow burn and and there was option there was a, i think there was an opportunity for people to not look at it straight away um you know like i think money fundamentally touches everyone's life and so you kind of need to look at it and mm. and and engage with it whereas i think the internet the the reason it took so long because you know it was around for a long time before it really became mainstream was because you know you, you could get away with not using it mm. but i think the difference with bitcoin is that it's it, it is the superior form of value and and it is zero sum like there's only there's, there's only going to be one winner here and there'll be a mm. there'll be a, a phase where there's both systems running the legacy system and the, and the, the bitcoin system but eventually 
you're going to see these trends and this kind of slow decline and maybe fast decline of, of the fiat system. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I'm not sure really what that's going to look like. Um, it's, I mean, you could see a huge speed up if something uh, like, this, particularly in New Zealand, where everybody stores their value in their real estate. If something starts to happen to that real estate and they urgently need to find another store of value, I mean, where are they going to turn? Yeah, well, I mean, that's 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 what I think is, is sort of the, the thing I'm getting at is we're quite naive to pluralistic currencies here like we don't it's not something people consider right and whereas in a lot of countries it's natural to start thinking in that mm-hmm. kind of dynamic way where you're, you're, you're kind of running the calculation in your head and i think just based on that that same conversation we had on saturday uh the the, the fact that there's these kind of cafes and different businesses emerging who are not saying look i want bitcoin so i can just turn it into fiat you know like i think that that was our preconception we said well businesses are never going to want to accept the risk of holding a volatile asset like bitcoin but actually i don't know any businesses who want to change it straight back into fiat like all of the people that i've spoken to and it's not a huge number but they all want to hold the underlying bitcoin because they know that it's it's worth more and still running the calculation of well what's it worth in new zealand dollars is i think it's an easy argument if you're kind of looking at it from the outside to say well of course they're not going to want to hold this thing but those people aren't the people are criticizing that are not hold, they're not on a Bitcoin standard. They're not thinking in Bitcoin mm-hmm. terms. They haven't fully conceptualized the kind of the monetary revolution here, which is that holding any amount of Bitcoin at whatever price it is today is going to be incredibly more worthwhile than selling it out to fiat mm. um, in the long term. And that realization that there's this kind of node-based approach where you've got, say, this um, Cambodian restaurant in Christchurch that... Um, we were talking about on saturday which is like come out and say look we want to accept bitcoin we want to learn about it and then the businesses around them in that um in that shopping center maybe start thinking well hey can i learn about that what's Mm -hmm. that mean for me and you have this kind of very organic node kind of expanding say in that particular geographic location which is hyper local right Mm. but then the hyper global is that that cambodian family they say hey you know need to send some money back home to my family and in cambodia they can then send that instantly and, and mm. you know without any middlemen so that's a hyper global and i think hyper global hyper local running those two scenarios simultaneously is, is maybe very difficult it takes a lot of kind of mental compute to, mm. to think about but they will i think they they will happen mm. simultaneously and so there'll be these massive developments where you've got international trade happening in bitcoin but then just on a local level you've got you, you've got these people saying hey yeah, i do also accept bitcoin and that's where the game theory plays out that the hardest money wins mm. you know that's what people want i mean just the, just the fact that that is a potential scenario shows the beauty of bitcoin I and mean, what other thing could you look at it in that way and it's got it's got a track record of history for exactly that kind of adoption when when you look at it because it's you know no one even well only on an individual level no one ever marketed it nobody owns this thing no one advertises sells pushes the idea of using bitcoin onto you um and it's pretty phenomenal in that way um and that's you know very similar to the internet um whereas i mean how many other things are really like that there's not many um where technology's come about like the first question um i was talking to an older guy about bitcoin trying to explain it to him from scratch 
and his questions were things you know very basic things like but when you buy a bitcoin who are you paying like who 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 is bitcoin um, <laughs> that sort of thing and you know getting past that bit and realizing that geez this has gone all this way with nobody at the helm like that marketing this thing and telling you why it's good only other bitcoiners are just it's it's an organic adoption yeah and i think that's some of the revelations that i've had as well like talking to other people who for better or for worse are sort of skeptical of some of the certain i guess the the, the challenges and the, the 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 things that are coming up at each stage of of hyper bitcoinization those things are sort of what come first in conversations and so what i mean by that is um having a chat with somebody yesterday actually about volatility of bitcoin and how that's going to be a detriment to being able to price things in bitcoin and what what i really struggled to convey in a succinct way was that look by the time we get to a point where there's no volatility firstly you're not going to be measuring it in new zealand Mm. dollars anymore but secondly it's it's already going to be here like uh, when you look at it, I think as a speculative asset, as this, this thing that sort of sits in your portfolio alongside your KiwiSaver and your your sharesies and all of this, I think that mindset says, well, yeah, it's up and down, man. It's 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 dangerous. It's you know maybe it goes to zero. You know, there's this lack of understanding. But I think that that volatility, the trading range of whatever it is today, or what it's been over the last couple of years, is really insignificant compared to where it's going to be. Completely, you know. And- yeah, and that's something I've been thinking about and talking about a bit lately because the investment case or the investment use case for Bitcoin is a temporary thing. Like when we Bitcoin adoption comes on properly, that use case is gone. Like once we have a Bitcoin standard. Um, well, you've got to create value in the real world. You can't just sit on the, the rents, mm. rent-seeking you know, behavior. Um, and that's where like some of my preconceptions have also been challenged over the last few weeks because I've been talking to various people, you know, I'm really chomping at the bit to build Bitcoin businesses and kind of get involved with people who are building businesses in in the Bitcoin world. And I I think we always come to these kinds of ideas with this kind of Silicon Valley mental model of what a business is, which is basically a computer in a room that makes a percentage on every transaction or or interaction that that a user has and that's say your your google or your your facebook's or whatever they in a a roundabout way they've got you know way too many staff but the whole thing could run it's just a service right and and it just runs Mm -hmm. and it clips the ticket and that i think that concept of that kind of monopoly over the data over, over the user experience over all of that stuff is is an antithesis to to bitcoin which is that you need to deliver value and it creates i think a more ho- holistic world and so i mean even with nostar right because the data layer underneath and and it's not a it's not built on bitcoin but it's got built on bitcoin principles the data layer underneath isn't owned by the the companies who are building apps on top of it fundamentally you have to continue to innovate and build new stuff and keep relevant otherwise you lose your user base and mm. we've just been in this funny world for like the last couple of decades where you could just kind of sit on things and just you know milk it and Mm. that led to a certain attitude which was like well that's the only way to make money that's the only way to build a business is to be the milkman you know (laughs) um but actually like true value and true innovation it's like well that comes from i think a different place and there's a classic thing that these big companies can't cannot innovate all Mm. all innovation happens with small startups 
a, a dedicated team of people who are focused um a few you know like literally like maybe four or five people sort of squad size that's where innovation comes from and then big companies have to buy those small companies to stay relevant mm. um and so you know people think oh i can never compete with facebook well, it's like yeah you actually you can but it's all stacked the odds are stacked against you because the, the facebook has unlimited capital so i can just buy you know mm. they can buy anything it wants and that's that's all fair thinking and so building a business on bitcoin is like coming back to basics like a small team of people focused on a goal running it in a sustainable way and putting all of their energy into building and innovating and being creative that's that's where it's at you know mm. it's interesting i would posit to that like those companies you mentioned started like that um then they lost it yeah and then you know, half those people involved aren't involved in these companies anymore. They they got their big money and off they ran. Um, the other extra element to add to that is I've, I don't know the exact stats, but you often see those little bits about this is the 10 biggest organisations in the world and none of them existed over X amount of years ago. And those they always surprise me because I have the same feeling as you about Facebook and whatnot. They've got unlimited capital and they're just these behemoths and anything we make they'll buy and becomes part of that um that behemoth but it will be interesting because this history suggests that they don't tend to survive forever um maybe they can now but i mean having said all of that it's much of a muchness because my personal belief is that bitcoin is unstoppable and that kind of does end that fair thinking we'll still get large organizations but they will grow just like those ones from that small base and then once they get big things might be different will they yeah yeah i think i think we're gonna and this is again this is the bigger kind of meta conceptual piece of what is what you know what does long-term thinking look like and if you look at some of the you know the companies in the world that have been around the longest um i think there's a few um companies out of japan for example that have done like soy sauce for like couple of hundred years or something oh yeah and these kinds of businesses they're like they do one thing Mm. they they're 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 onto it they're they're masterful they're long-term thinking they're visionary their leaders often in that sort of mindset um of stability and and kind of these bitcoin kind of gold standard values which seem almost quaint you know because we Mm. we've grown up in the world of the silicon valley and the unicorn and the 25 year old hotshot ceo you know t-shirt and everything and that's become normalized as what stability and good business looks like but the bread Mm. and butter of you know a 300 year old soy sauce company out of nagoya in japan like that you know or or some you know um you know it's a german steel company or something that's been around since the olden days like that's they they, that's what they do and Mm. um they've been able to build the scales of economy and and i mean it's a real output as well and i mean these are all generally manufacturing companies um they're not just ip or you know intangibles and so yeah that's kind of bitcoin thinking as i got my think thinking i guess as well like what is a what does a bitcoin business look like if you take the middleman and the rent seeking stuff out and it's made me realize like yeah we kind of approaching to approaching building in a bitcoin standard you have to be a little bit you got to approach it a bit differently i think um and I still haven't quite worked out how to do that fully, but I believe it's it's a focus on that continual value add, um, innovation, stability, long term thinking, 
all mm. these kind of Bitcoin values. Yeah, there's, there's there's so much to actually think about about how things will happen in a Bitcoin world. Like the more you sit there and think about it, the more you realise there is. Like it's 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 really fun to try and explore the possibilities of how is this going to work in a Bitcoin world. Well, how is that going to work? Even like for example looking at say bitcoin businesses and so there's the classic you know btc maps you know we can find a business that accepts bitcoin but i still i think the paradigm for that what we've kind of moved on from which is that oh you know well there's there's these three businesses that i can go to and spend bitcoin like i think it's more it's deeper than that where it's like i'm looking not i'm not going to go to the service to look for where i can spend my bitcoin i'm waiting to find a recommendation and i'm waiting for that hyper local thing where somebody that I engage with locally or some service that I need in real life is able to be done by someone locally who accepts Bitcoin. Like, uh, then then at that moment, I'm ready to engage with that person. And mm. that might be a t- the type of business that just doesn't even need advertising. You know, it's just word of mouth. Mm. Um, and that could be a tradesperson. It could be, um, you know, it doesn't have to be necessarily a consumer-facing service like a, a retail operation. It could be anything that we do in our daily life. Um, firewood um, the plumber electrician things like that you know where it's like yeah sure you know like let's create this kind of micro community and it it almost goes back to the basics of like an economy if you've got these different people providing goods and services to each other and then they also have this better way of paying each other it's like you're you're almost going back to the basics of an economy and then Mm -hmm. building up from there as opposed to trying to like put a veneer on this existing system which is centralized Actually, it's not funny you use the word centralised. That's exactly what I was thinking when you were describing that. It's we've transformed and advanced by centralising a lot of things which were maybe unfeasible to do at a a decentralised level in the past. But the technologies we're now gaining, internet and now Bitcoin being two major ones, means we can start to decentralise again and go back to that and operate in the way that would have been ideal if we had the technology to do it well that, that's the thing as well like coming back one of these concepts so as we talked about last time you know i'm i'm using a lot, more, a lot more cash this year and i really love cash as a bearer instrument you know once you give someone the cash they've got the money there's no verification needed mm. you, you either have it or you don't and it's kind of the little voice at the back of my head when i'm playing around with a bitcoin idea or something it's like well is this even needed? Because if I just give the other, if the other person has wallet of Satoshi or, or something, like, do I even, do I need to build anything in between them and their customers? Like, mm. you know, some point of sale, some marketplace or whatever. It's like, you're, it's still like you're applying like a, a fair thinking. It's like, oh, they, they must need to have a middleman somewhere. But it's like, no, no, the, over time, there's just going to be so many incredibly well-designed, well-built wallet tools mm. and open-source uh, payment systems and all of that stuff. It's, it's all just going to be there, and it's going to be free. You know, these are going to be mm. all open-source, easy to, easy to use. There's, A great example of that is Rob and what he's working on, yeah. except Bitcoin, um, and how complex and difficult it is what he's going through to try and figure out. Um, and he's got to do all of that to meet fiat system requirements but just like you point out if he was allowed to if we legally could do it he wouldn't need to build anything they could just have wallet of satoshi well i mean but that, i mean that said it is <laughs> it is i mean it is fully legal to to do you know bitcoin to bitcoin but it's just the 
the bridging to to the fiat world is the bit that introduces complexity so it is yeah. you know and and that's what i'm saying is like my my revelation has been that with wallet of satoshi and blue wallet and you know these really easy beautiful um apps that just work um and they're not even in their final form yet but you know once they are mm. um and, and there's just you know all of these options out there you don't need to really build anything in between. It's like it's like cash. You don't need to mm. like how do, you know. You don't need to build a, a new wallet, like a physical wallet or a new, um, you know, coin um, coin purse or something. You know, like you just money's money. You put it in your pocket. You give it to someone. Like there's no innovation required at that level. And Bitcoin and, and Lightning, it is a little bit more technical. But once that's built, which it pretty much is already, then you actually need to focus on the real world, which is you know i need coffee i need i need firewood i need meat i need vegetables i need to pay my rent i've got all of these mm. physical actual things that need to be paid for and i just pay them you know that we don't we don't need to intermediate and and i mm. think that's kind of like the, the thing that i've really been thinking about it's like don't try and make it complex it's mm. just yeah some there's going to be free plugins for your point of sale software there's going to be things for zero there's going to be all of that stuff it's someone's going to do it and like some of it we have to do ourselves maybe we're going to be the developers and designers on these things but for the most part it's just going to be there in in, Mm. in the world it's going to be easy to use and then you can get out of the way and the bitcoin economy will just work and i pay the guy to mow my lawns or um, i pay my rent or i pay whatever and it just it's all it's all just bitcoin Mm. We don't need yeah. fancy tools, man. It sounds wonderful. Can't wait. <laughs> yeah, and and I mean, but I I feel like it's it it is a mindset. It's it's like trying to convince someone of that when they're not on the boat. It's like uh, they they're gonna resist it. But mm. when you've got yeah, just a small number in it, and I think um, that that's like a only a couple of percent required um, to really shift perceptions. And you see this. Mm. Uh, someone wrote about this, like. In the United States, um, you know, the, the amount of food that is like kosher for Jewish people is, you know, pretty much all food, right? Because there's this small minority of people who will not, you know, they, they will only consume that particular mm. thing, right? And so they need everything to be kosher. And that impacts the, the larger population who don't really care either way. And so when you've got this small population, I think it's an intransient minority or something. I'm just trying to remember the word for it, but... Basically, you know, a, a very small minority of people can kind of flip the requirements of the large majority who are not, they, they don't have a preference. Mm. So m- normal people are like, yeah, whatever, I just want to pay. And then you've got a small percentage of Bitcoiners who will only use Bitcoin. That will impact mm-hmm. the, the majority to, to force their hand effectively. And especially if it's really cheap and easy for them to accept for that small minority. Well, it's like, yeah, I mean, I, I don't mind you know kosher juice apple juice or whatever you know like that, that's the classic example it has nothing to do with whether it's kosher mm. or not it's just got the label on it but it just it just works and it it doesn't require any um additional thought mm. and i think that's that's where you get this number of like um i said 150,000 bitcoiners is all that's required say in um in the us to 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 force that really we think it number oh it's, it's like oh, maybe 0.5 percent or something because what are that 300 million people I, I don't know it's yeah i think so um i'll see if i can fish it up but in new zealand i mean that numbers are way smaller so it's mm-hmm. like we only need you know a thousand a couple of thousands of people who will you know who, who basically did set on the idea um 
for it to kind of force the hand of people who are, who who, probably, who don't have any you know any preference. Mm. And if you get that small amount of people using it all the time, then you start to see how easy it is that system. Um, and I mean, I think people are underestimating the advantage of instant settlement. Like if you're selling something and you don't want to go through the expense of being able to set up to receive on the FPOS network or Visa, so you can only offer a bank deposit number. Yeah, so I've got here, it's actually, yeah, intransigent, intransigent minority. So the dictatorship of the small minority. And yeah. uh, this is um, Nassim Taleb, uh, skin yeah. in the game, he writes about this. Um, um, but yeah, like halal, kosher, all of these things which for certain religions or certain people that it's like that's that's a, no, a yes or no mm. it, you've, you've, it either is or it isn't and if it isn't I can't touch it but the same thing applied to economics and Bitcoin that's like well yeah it's, I, mm. I only want Bitcoin I my vendors like well or my suppliers are like yeah maybe maybe we don't care but if it's people that are I guess people that I'm invoicing and they want my services it's like yeah you have to pay me in Bitcoin then they have to pay me in Bitcoin if there's no alternative, right? And if it's not a major issue for them, technically, to do that, it's mm. like, yeah, sure. It's like, do you want, you know, do you want a bank transfer or do you want PayPal? So now I want Bitcoin. The thing I can't wait to see, which you haven't seen in New Zealand particularly, but I haven't even seen it much overseas, is a retailer or a merchant not just accepting Bitcoin, but encouraging you to use Bitcoin over fiat like offering an incentive because there's clear incentives there um and so i can't wait to start to see that happen because i think then we'll see you know like somebody like hang on i get two percent off if i pay in bitcoin i don't know anything about Bitcoin. how do i get bitcoin i want that two percent off i I reckon there's because it's an emergent system and, and, and there's a lot of complexity i have a feeling there's going to be a little bit more to it and it will be um there'll be a situation where fiat currency is actually being used at a, at a faster rate because people are trying to get rid of it um and you see this in the u.s with the, the old silver silver dimes i think it was that they had the silver, silver coins and that's like those people would collect those and so they'd come through the till and they'd put them aside and then the alloy coins would be the ones that are in the till and that's kind of the classic you know hard money and, yeah and, and, and you know and and i, th- I think you, you you'll see the situation where People will want the Bitcoin, and but there'll be more and more people who are trying to get rid of the fiat and are trying to just burn it off, which will lead to the devaluation of the fiat quicker and quicker. So, is it is it that you get a discount, or you know you get a, a you know, discount if you pay with Bitcoin, or is it that that burn off of fiat actually leads to an increase in, in the value of Bitcoin, and and there's this kind of grey zone, I think. I think both those scenarios can exist. Maybe I think the, the one you time. described might come after, like because you might get a merchant who starts to accept Bitcoin, then gets curious and understands Bitcoin, then decides, you know what, I really want Bitcoin. I want my customers to pay me in Bitcoin so I can hodl it. Um, so I think you might get that first, and then at first people will be might be like, well, I need to get some Bitcoin because I'm going to get a discount if I use it. And then that behavior will slowly morph into, oh, he's offering me a discount of Bitcoin, but I don't want to give up my Bitcoin. I'd rather burn my fee. <laughs> actually, actually, I think I think you're right. Um, now, now, now that I look at it, like because I was chatting to someone about this, 
I, like, I would take a discount in NZ dollar terms to get the Bitcoin. And I, mm, I would like quite a I sec- would you, you would too? <laughs> if I ran a shop, I'd be all over it, yeah. Or, or even a service, you know, like, and I would take like a pretty decent discount, to be honest. Like, I would too. Yeah, like like double digits easily um, mm. just to get the Bitcoin. But it, and, and that's because, you know, on a, from a personal perspective, I'm, I'm on a Bitcoin standard, you know, myself. You know, I'm, so I'm, I'm thinking about things in sats. And I still have to pay a lot of fiat, mm. you know, bills. But I'm like, yeah, I'm. Those are the those are the sets that I want, and there's a certain intangible quality to it, which is is kind of, I guess, what you pro, you're pricing into the discount. That you know, because you know, the, the, the normal people would say, well, just get the fiat and then buy the bitcoin. But having to not do that step is mm. is, is worth the discount. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Yeah, I I just love the idea. Um, almost wish I ran a shop now because I'd definitely be all over it. I'd be creating all sorts. Um, Maybe if I had a friend who ran a shop, I'd be getting right into it because, yeah, I'd be wanting to just hoover up that Bitcoin. And and it's non-KYC as well. Yeah, yeah. You're just getting, you're getting, um, getting it come off the street basically. And then, I mean, the obvious percent you discount straight away is the fee, transaction fees involved in the fiat network that clearance time i mean there's you know straight away i guess you could take i don't know much about merchant fees with visa network and all that but i'm assuming you could take two two percent right off the bat like because they think they charge around that don't they most of them are putting it onto the customer now but that that'll be the easy starting point um yeah but i didn't like like yourself i'd encourage it way more if i was a, a merchant i'd be that'd be my capital yeah well i think I don't know this it's coming back to the quality of it. I think it's almost like a child childlike sense of sort of value. Like the the analogy that I give is like, okay, if I'm going to mow mow your lawns or do something, you know, kind of, are you, you're going to pay me this 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 money? And then there's there's like different qualities of money, right? So there's the, you know, you can put the money in my bank account, but then or you could give me the cash, or you could give me this tiny little fleck of gold. You, you, you know, and and I and it sounds silly, but in a way, I'm like, yeah, I. If, if I was able to collect the little flecks of gold, you know, just little mm. shavings, and it's all worth the same amount technically, but there's something more real about that. Mm. And I think that's that's like not priced into it in a way. I don't know how to, I, mean, I don't really have the language to describe it, but, you know, and as we talk about with cash, it's like it, it, it is, it's, it's a different sense of value beyond the face value of it that, mm. you know, you can use it even if the lights go out. Well, it's just that obvious thing, whereas, it, you know, transacting money is just it's, it's an iou you know and you get the cash in your hand and that's not an iou that's that's, that's actual final money. settlement yeah. and i like how you use childlike because it's so you get the money right it is childlike but then like so many other things the child has the best sense because it's obvious and then it's only as you get older and you start to realize you don't really understand these things children there's more complexity but actually it all is very simple actually you know what that would be an interesting psych like psychology experiment maybe like for a university student to, to undertake is at what age do children recognize the difference and the abstraction between money as a you know a piggy bank you know physical money and mm. digital money because i reckon that probably comes quite late in development i think you're right and i think i've had a real case of that recently so i've i've got a pocket money system with my kids and i've been i've set up bank accounts for them and putting it in there but they 
they don't take any notice. Like they don't really, I tell them they've got so much money in their bank accounts. They're like, oh, do I? And then they get $20 from grandma for Christmas and it's less than what they've got in their bank account, but you wouldn't know it. They've just won the lottery. Like this physical $20 note is insanely amazing to them. And then we had, they got a few presents like their Christmas and birthdays and they had a little pile of cash each and it was getting hard to kind of manage between myself and their mum around throughout with you, you got to, oh, I've got the cash or what, you know? And so we said, oh, I'll just have the cash and I'll deposit money into their bank accounts. So they've got an electronic record. Well, they're very disappointed with this, you know? They wanted the cash. They don't want to know that there's something on a screen. They liked the physical money in their hand and that's what they want. Yeah, yeah, that's um, um, that's really interesting. And I think with with that kind of running that, that notion as well, like Bitcoin, in a way, it requires a certain amount of abstraction because it, it isn't physical, physical in the sense that you can touch it. But I think as you become an adult, you, you're you're able to appreciate that it's a a physical. It's a it's it's yeah, it's like physical slash digital. It's not purely abstract and mm. untouchable you know like it does have a certain physicality to it but it's just you can't you can't touch it i mean i can't even describe this like you know that it's got something to it once well, you... yeah they i mean even the white paper he described as um he described it as digital cash and i must admit i didn't really properly get there i just read it and like carry on is that what he so says he, is that what he says in the white paper it's, yeah i think it is okay i'm gonna have showing ourselves up here. no 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 it's all good um <coughs> i should have it framed on the wall um it took me actually an embarrassingly long time to really understand what he meant what he she or they meant yeah um and it, the penny dropped and i was like yeah it's like digital cash and oh I man no you are right Ele- electronic cash yeah, sorry. Because he doesn't. Cash. I don't think he says gold anywhere, does he? No, because I mean, early on when I was getting to Bitcoin, that's what I would say. It's like digital gold, but no, it is digital, digital cash, cash or electronic cash. Yeah. Okay, so um, we're we're kind of making dis- discoveries out here, like long, <laughs> bel- belated discovery, fourteen years later. But that that yeah, that physicality of it, and and I think that mm. duality, which others have spoken about. Um, because it's it is pegged into the real world you know there's obviously the energy inputs and all of these real world things that kind of anchor it and i think maybe a child would struggle to understand it but maybe not you know i mean this again this would be an interesting experiment yeah and we're talking about children with cash to teach them about electronic money whether it's cash or fiat it's would be far easier if like my children aren't old enough we haven't let them have their own phones or devices yet but it'll be far easier to say here download a wallet now you can just go i'm going to send your pocket money to this wallet um to do that in the fiat system i'm gonna to have to take them into a bank i'm not even sure what the steps are you know, you know? yeah your kids are going to be bitcoin natives man that's what I'm trying to do. <laughs> and you get them, because I mean, you know, you get them on the blockchain um, in the sense like, get, you know, get them on the mempool and it's like, here's my transaction. You know, yeah. There's, here's, yeah. There, you know, grandma sent me, uh, you know, 50,000 sats or whatever um, for my birthday. Here it is. Here's the transaction, I've, you know, and, and it's kind of like internet natives, you know, like that for them, that will be real. Mm. You know, you know, that's what I've been saying to them as well. I've said to the oldest one a couple of times recently, been telling you, like, you can have an advantage over the other kids because when you grow up, you're, you're going to understand all of this. 
you're going to know what Bitcoin is and how it works. And everybody else, all your friends are going to be coming a little bit late to the party. So how old was your oldest? Uh, well, she turned 11 today. Okay, so yeah. she's before. So by the time she becomes an adult, she'll have a couple of epochs. Yeah. So yeah. two, at least two, two or two yeah, or three epochs. I think she's got two halvings to adulthood. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> two, thought of it that two, way, two or three yeah. halvings. Yeah, and so yeah. by the time, I mean, she's starting university or whatever, um, mm. she'll be in a much different position. And she does. She oh, she's picked up a lot of the principles quite well. Like. She asked, she was, when I first started getting a Bitcoin, she was had a habit of asking me, oh, you know, how much is my Bitcoin worth today? And I'd tell her, and after she first started buying it, it was during a nice bull run, and she was all excited. And then I didn't get the question for a while. And then it was ages, and she said, how much is my Bitcoin worth now? And I was like, wow, <laughs> things have been kind of going down, you know, a little bit, blah, blah, blah. And then she just shot me straight off the bat and said, oh, well, does it mean it's a good time to buy it because I'll get more Bitcoin for my money? I was like, oh, my God. Proudest parenting moment. I I got some ideas here. So um, I wonder if there's a way to almost gamify this. Like, this could be an idea like, for example, you know, kids get, you know, they do some chores or, you know, every parent, I guess, does things differently. But, you know, sometimes you you might, might give pocket money. But being able, especially when they're younger, being able to put some ring fencing on that so that they, they may be getting pocket money and sats, but um, somehow doing it, maybe, I don't know, some sort of bolt card or, or something where it ends up, you know, they can kind of pay for stuff, but they're paying for it with sats, even if they're paying it out in fiat. I, mm. I don't quite know how that could work, but just so that their, their thinking and their kind of value, the piggy bank and mindset, which a child develops, is able to be fostered with a Bitcoin standard in mind, and so they think, well, actually, Dad, I don't, I don't, I don't want to buy the the lollies today because, the, you know, the New Zealand dollar and the you know the Bitcoin price is low. I'd rather actually just sit on the sats, mm. but you, you know, and yeah. and they can start, and then they're starting to be they're basically on the Bitcoin standard, mm. you know. Whereas you know, if you say, well, you know, if you wait, you're going to get twice as much lollies if you just mm. wait. And then they wait and then, you know, like they... A really good angle I've taken with the kids and I've stolen this off. Um, so there's a guy on Twitter, Bitcoin Say, and he wrote a book called, I think the name is Bitcoin in Black America. Yeah. I can't remember his name, but he's known as Bitcoin Zay on Twitter. And he runs some education classes and school holidays and things for, for kids and teenagers. And his big thing is your, your goal is become a Satoshi millionaire. Because that's, that's an amount of Bitcoin that's within reach with dedicated effort from a younger person. Um, and it sounds nice because it's got millionaire in it and that just gets a kid's, a kid's interest, you know. So I've started busting that out of my kids. You know, you, your target should be to become a Satoshi millionaire. Um, and pick, they pick up and run with that. They like that. It's got, a, it's got a ring to it. It's something that's a target that's not too infeasible that they can work towards. I think it's roughly about three or four hundred bucks new zealand at the moment maybe okay uh, two, yeah 230 bucks oh okay yeah well that's definitely achievable you know saving saving money saving mm. birthday money um and then ah oh, what, what i really like about that as well is i mean this might be i don't know this is a bit more of a of an advanced idea but even the evolution of say your, your children's use of bitcoin almost re- reflects the the value of bitcoin and the stages of bitcoin adoption and so the first stage is what store of value right 
Hmm. Second stage is uh, medium of exchange, getting them exposed to lightning as they're a young adult. And then finally, it's a unit of account as they become in the workforce. Hmm. Yep. And they start, you know, thinking in Satoshis. So maybe, you know, look, a kid, you know, whether they're the five or 11 or, or whatever, you know, for them, really, you know, parents are going to be looking after most of it. Um, you just, it's a, it's a store of value. Mm. Just, you're just a hodler. Um, maybe you get your first job in high school or whatever. Um, you start using it as a, a medium of exchange. You want to buy some something with your friends, you know, go to the movies. By then, you know, we're going to be in a Bitcoin world where you can spend Bitcoin. And then once you really start work in the workforce and, and that, you can start actually pricing everything in Bitcoin mm. that you earn. Your, your salary in Bitcoin. Yeah, right so... Maybe that. I mean, that, maybe that's what it means to be a Bitcoin native is to can't come up through that. Oh, that sounds nice, and it fits with what I'm doing at the moment because basically I've got them on the store of value idea. And you're gonna have all these old people who are like, "Oh, you know, my day, we had fiat," you know, and it's gonna be like, <laughs> "What are you on, old man? Like, yeah, just give me the sats." Yeah, yeah. We used to sit on the train reading our newspapers, not looking at our phones. Yeah, it's the same kind of. Yeah, I, I can see that playing out, and it's interesting because we have a very conservative. Uh, young generation at the moment as in people sort of my age and younger who i think just for various reasons because we're at the end of the fiat cycle it's they're very locked in it's kind of mm. petrified and so i think that we'll our generation you know my generation will probably be the last one to really hold on in a way with with um resisting it i reckon because they they've worked so hard for nothing mm. you know kind of buy you kind of buy a home can't buy anything because of this fiat monster machine yeah the more i think about that the sadder it makes me but also i think there's some hope there because i feel like there's a generation sitting there that is like a coiled spring like they just need a chance a little bit um things have been made tougher for them to own homes and aspire to things and now they've got this vision of this world where everything's a service and you pay your tax and you get the service and now go figure out how to be happy in day-to-day life with that system, you know? When they need, everyone's got some drive and some passion and some aspiration of something and they need something to point it at. So I'm hoping, you know, when as Bitcoin starts to get adopted, we could see that generation just completely come out of their shell and explode. Yeah, um, in a good way, just really build in. And I hope it happens fast so it can happen for them. They don't have to live out their lives never having had a chance at something like that well i think it's almost a language as well like if you look at bilingual children or people and sort of families with different uh, you know cultural backgrounds there's this ability for children to sort of connect between both worlds and what we're seeing now is the language of value is changing and i've been able to learn that language and in a way i mean this would be another interesting psychology experiment but is people is it uh, is there a correlation between people who speak a second language and people's ability to grok Bitcoin? And it sounds a bit strange, but I mean, Andreas comes to mind straight away. He speaks like Greek, English, all these, uh, Andreas Antonopoulos, mm-hmm. like all these different languages. You know, I'm just as an idea, like, does it open up something in your mind where you're able to sort of entertain different ideas simultaneously? Mm-hmm. Um and so you, maybe you have these young kids who are like, yeah, I used to see my parents, you know, they, they had the bank account and this this whole system. Because no, no, it's not just one thing. It's not like just one word. It's it's an entire language of value that is the fiat system. And then there's also the, the language of Bitcoin, 
and being able to be fluent in both of those is kind of the transition at the moment so you and i are sort of mm. sitting there studying it you know we're reading the books and doing the hard work you know just like when i learning when i was learning japanese and when i was learning chinese you know i was like studying both of these quite hard but for the children that just naturally happens yes and they're not going to need any of these books you know the bitcoin standard like what's that mm. it's like japanese textbook i don't I, yeah. I already speak japanese mum. like i don't need it <laughs> you know what i mean yeah 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 i think that's true because it, it is i think i've read before about how it's well documented that kids can pick up languages incredibly fast like yeah um and anything really i mean they i see it my kids all the time with technology oh, man. They'll, they'll show me something on a computer and then they'll do something oh and then look at this and i'm like wait how did you change between those screens like i've never done that before. <laughs> and they'll teach me things because they can they they get the design these days it's intuitive and they figure out oh, well if i want to do that the natural thing would be if they created it like this and what do you know they did Whereas we're used to being brought up with, with manuals and learning. Well, I'm, well I'm I not, am anyway, I'm not. sorry. Yeah. No, no, but I, I, think that's, I think we're onto something here. I'd love to explore this a bit more. Like, So taking that kind of childlike approach to, to learning and to engaging with a new system, like what is, you know, and, and with your kids as an example here, like, you know, they're, they're, they are basically bilingual in the, in the language of value mm. and being able to flip between those seamlessly which mm. takes quite a concerted effort to learn that as an adult and come into it and to go down the rabbit hole. It's like, yeah, the kids are just going to do it normally. Mm. They're just going to pick it up. And almost all of our current preconceptions around, re, re, you know, reluctance to accept it and, you know, kind of adoption and stuff like that, is that just going to melt away? As yeah, you know, actually, that's really interesting. And seems like the answer should be yes, because we've got that, you know, we've been normalized to this system um and so it's very hard to think of something that could be this radically different whereas yeah the kids do pick it up immediately i, yeah. I think i may have mentioned the story before but what with the kids watching a film that was set about i don't know 150 years ago or something and and there was a reward poster up in the street um reward to for to catch a criminal and it had on like one pound and because it's setting england and the kids are just like why is it so low like like they didn't know pounds are like a dollar like that's nothing and so then <clears throat> that was my in to talk to them about bitcoin obviously but you know with their brains not having grown up and understood what inflation is etc um they were just like that doesn't make any sense like when why is money worth less now than it was back then and then i explained it to the eldest and she immediately got it and just moved on next question well they're, like, they're, oh, they're wow. not they're not they don't come into it with preconceptions and I think that's that's the frustration when you're talking with, you know, adults who you're trying to talk to them about Bitcoin and they're like, Oh well but what about the volatility? What about the uh, the government's gonna ban it? You know, like all of these just classic FUD arguments mm. and it's like, Well, with the kid they're like, Oh, okay. Cool, <laughs> cool. Sweet. Yeah. Can, can I you know, how, oh is that how it works? Oh sweet, I can use it on my iPad. Mm. Oh, easy. Oh, I don't want to And the fact that it's simpler means they'll just do it. Yeah, right. and they won't be. I'll just yeah, send you the sets. by these. Yeah, it's history. And because there's this technical aspect to it, you know, it's oh yeah, sweet. Oh, it's, it's on on the block. It's it's in the mempool here. Oh look, oh you know, sitting mm. around. Oh sweet, we just got a confirmation. Sweet, cool. Yeah. You know, like I could see that being quite formative, in the sense of like the first time. You know, as you know, when I was a kid, you know, you you know playing you know first computer and you know 
these kind of moments where you're like, yeah, this is mm. naturalized. Um, and so maybe a lot of our models are sort of mental models are based on this idea that everyone's going to be reluctant forever and it's going to be this hard slog to orange pill the world. But it's like, yeah, 10, 10 15 years from now, well, in fact, I mean, the first real generation will be six years from now because a 20-year generation, four, you know, Bitcoin's mm. 14 years old. Um, but there's not that many people who are involved in the early, early days. Mm. But there could be kids who are born, you know, within the Bitcoin standard who will be coming of age shortly, um, mm. you know, within the Bitcoin epoch um, since 2009. So for them, it's like, yeah, pff, I don't know anything else. And it's far simpler, like. You know, it's really common. Children work out money by themselves. Um, you know, they play games where they create their own currency. And when you look at the games that they make up on the spot, like, well, we use those stones as money, etc., like things like that. They invent an accurate monetary system. Like, well, they're doing, and, doing better than the central banks. Yeah, they are. And it's much more aligned with how Bitcoin actually works. So... It translates beautifully. I wonder, it'd be interesting to see um, uh, like what a child's reaction would be to an IOU. If you say, all right, you know, here's the marshmallow. Here's an IOU for the marshmallow. Which one do you want? You know, these types of mm. questions. And just the, the look of just disgust on their face. It was like, no, I want the marshmallow. Give me the money. Mm. Give me the hard money. Um, but as an adult, we sort of do the mental gymnastics to be like, well, I've got, I've got, 10 marshmallows but i don't actually have custody of them so but i still got them you know what i mean but <laughs> you can trust me <laughs> you can trust me i've got them um I, I reckon that could be a real a real interesting experiment and and also because it's still quite early days in a sense like we don't really have i mean i think there's a there's a bit of a movement there's some people have done some like picture books and things like kind of bitcoin yeah. themed stuff for kids but it's still like i don't know we don't quite have we're not quite there yet, I think, communicating it. Mm. I've know? got one book that's written in a child's picture book style. And I got it. I thought this would be great. I'll get my kids to read it. But once I got it, I realized actually it's written and looks like a children's book, but it's really for adults. Yeah, yeah. Like it's children's <laughs> explaining in child language about Bitcoin. Um, so my eldest read it. She said she got it. I'm not sure. She didn't talk oh, a lot about it. But is, is it? it's actually more useful for no coin. It's like brand new people. Yeah. So my mum read it and was like, that's really interesting. <laughs> I wonder I wonder if this is even worth, like, is this still fair thinking though? Because it's like the, you don't give a kid like a, a, a language textbook. They just learn, you know. And I wonder if this is the meta kind of idea here that by just having a Bitcoin standard within your family and your community and stuff, that kids are just going to naturally kind of pick it up and you don't have mm. to even explicitly sort of be like, well, you know, one Satoshi, you know, this is this is the blockchain. Like they're just kind of going to work it out and kind of trust in the process that they're going to be curious and kind of, because like, you certainly don't learn about money as a kid, really. Like you got the piggy bank. Not really, although Monopoly is pretty good. Like oh, yeah. it's, it's a really good, portrayal of the fiat system somewhat like if you say to the kids okay because everyone invents their own rules and monopoly as well and you say okay we'll make loans you can loan to each other and you can get loans from the bank um if you roll that out then it is the fiat system yeah. um, and there's that classic bit out of the monopoly manual or instructions that goes around i've seen on twitter where there's some wording 
in the instructions of the game. What do you do if the bank runs out of money? The bank never runs out of money. It says it. <laughs> and it says you can get a piece of paper and write down if was there's it? not enough hundred dollar notes or whatever. I was like, You're kidding me, this is ridiculous. I always hated Monopoly. I like I just it was I found it really frustrating. Oh, it's a on, pur- yeah. on purpose. Like it felt like it was a getting my heart rate up and yeah, if you don't win, it's a pretty awful game. Yeah, okay. especially for kids. Fight with my brother. My, my yeah. brother was well known for flipping the board. <laughs> yeah, that's like a meme at this point, right? Like yeah. flipping the board. Um, yeah, okay, interesting. Well, I think there's some ideas there, man. Like, not not necessarily even prescribing it. Like having to build, you know, make picture books and stuff. I have a feeling, just like what what you're doing with your family, and I think maybe what a lot of people are doing. It's just like having kind of a Bitcoin standard that's just being used is just like speaking your know, mm. native language at home, right? It's just going to sort of by osmosis, the kids are going to pick it up. Um, they're going to pick up those values as well. Mm. And so they're going to be thinking in sets. They're going to be, um, you know, thinking, well, actually, I don't need this now. I can wait. And I'm going to see it. And as they get older, because so you're starting them at quite a young age, but as they get through the hardening and they'll be like, oh, this is, uh, this mm. is going up and up and up. And that's probably going to, give them a, a real insight as you know you go through the halvenings and they're mm. like by the time they enter university it's like okay they're, they're going to be more orange pill in fact it's like an orange pill isn't even required at that point it's like i don't know what the internet equivalent of it would be but it's like yeah it just is mm. there is no orange pill. yeah well i know that must be i i, sh- I wonder what my kids say at school because <laughs> that must to them bitcoin's just this normal thing dad talks about bitcoin all the time we get we've got bitcoin we're hodlers yeah yeah that's just a normal thing i think i told you the story already of um i give it to them as a reward it's like you know challenge them to climb the flyman's pole at the playground fifty thousand satoshi each and and then all of a sudden the next time they came around they're like hey dad you know you gave me that for those fifty thousand satoshis and i just loved it i was just like oh my gosh you said satoshis like this is fantastic yeah yeah, I love just it. Get it in the lexicon. To them, it must be normal, you know. Like I talk to adults about Bitcoin, like, oh, okay, oh, I don't have any. I like stocks. Whereas kids, they're just like, yeah, Bitcoin. Well, there's Bitcoin and there's there's dollars, and this is just normal. yeah, man. It's uh, I like it. I think I think there's some ideas to explore here in the future. I think bilingual systems, um, you know, a, a complete language, not just a spoken language, but a, a value language, is being. Mm taught to your kids and many many people have got young kids and that and it's going to be revolutionary as those people come in and it's just it just is you know and it's not even like oh well, i don't know that reluctance which i to be honest I, I it feels quite similar to the reluctance a lot of people had with computers and the internet because yeah. you know i grew up and i was like man just what are you doing just just use a computer like you know, and, and my parents were like, oh, you know, oh, i got to double click. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, click click it twice. Yeah, that's it. You know, like, yeah. because I, I mean, I was, I was lucky. I kind of grew up just with, with it, you know, mm. with me and my brother. You know, we just, we, we had a computer when we, were, when we were little and it just, it was naturalized. Yeah. Um, we didn't have the internet straight away, but we had computers. And so, and, but, and, and what was good at that time as well is because it was the early days of computers, you know, I was playing around with like basic and ms dos and I, I i got to know it before it became kind of the fisher pike you know push button thing you know where it's just yeah but you know the iphone which is kind of intuitive but it's also like this it's abstracted away 
But if you've got kids and you're teaching them like, here's the mempool, here's here's the confirmations, here's the here are the sets, you know, and here's you know, and you're you've got them understanding the fundamental building blocks. I mean, that's just going to be such a valuable skill. Mm. By the time we're in the future, when this is all, you know, a lot of this is abstracted away, and there's this this huge enterprises built upon this, having someone who's like fundamentally understands the the building blocks of it is going to be very valuable. Mm, definitely. Yeah. All right, man. Well, um, we might wrap it there. This is an interesting, uh, interesting topic. Thank you for sharing your thoughts on. Uh, uh, no problem. Cheers bi- for having me on. Bi- 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 bilingual, bilingual Bitcoiners. All right, man. Thank you very much. Cheers.